there's people who have become Muslim. You know why? Just by admiring different fruits. Just by admiring different fruits. You know, atheists, they say that uh, this world was created just like that. Now, you've seen a mango, right? It has that thick skin and it has that nice flesh inside and then it has the big seed inside. You've seen a watermelon. See how big difference between the colors, the texture, the taste, the feel, the smell in just those two fruits? Have you ever admired and appreciated an orange? You probably just like slice it up and just eat it. But you know, if you admire an orange, you see the sophistication of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Orange. It's got an orange skin which is quite thick. It's white on the inside. So you peel the orange, right? Right, you peel an orange. And inside now, you've got these different segments that, are, that form the ball inside. They're different segments. It's like whitish and transparent in color. What you can do now is that's what you eat. But if you open up one of those segments and you peel off the skin of that segment, what do you see inside? You see this really sophisticated flesh inside. It's not just one big piece like a mango. It's not solid like a mango. It's actually small, small bits of fiber, fibrous juice that's included in there. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala al-mab'uuthi rahmatan lil'alameen Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd We usually start off with these kind of words because we have all of our little uh, brothers and um, some sisters probably um, You know whenever we start a bayan we start off with these few words right that don't make sense to you they're a bit in Arabic So what we start by doing is we start by praising Allah uh, we start by praising Allah usually and then we send blessings on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because when we do that, when we send blessings on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah sends blessings on us. That's why we do it. And he deserves it anyway. And sometimes we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala for guidance in what we're going to speak about. So today the topic is going to need you to pay a bit of attention. Okay, so are you making sure everybody's listening? Is that why you're looking down there? Oh, okay. Because I'm going to need somebody like that maybe. Yeah. Um, this is going to be tough. This is going to be difficult because mashallah we've got grandparents and parents and children here. And to make this rele relevant to everybody is going to be difficult. So what I'm going to say, what's your name Mr. Yellow? Me? Yeah. Zakaria. Zakaria. And behind you is on. Okay. So if you two guys don't understand what I'm saying, just put your hand up. Okay. okay. So then that means if you don't understand, nobody understands. That means I'll have to explain it again. Okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a few things in the Quran that I'll just uh, repeat to you. These are the verses in the Quran that are uh, relevant to our topic. I'm going to just repeat them for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنْ اِعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ We sent in every community and every society, we sent a messenger. The, the reason we sent the messenger is, you should worship Allah, you should show your devotion to Allah, and you should avoid the shaitans. You should avoid the evil harms. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, for us to say, Allah says, قُلْ إِنَّ الصَّلَاةِ وَنُسُكِ وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ So this is Allah ordering us in the Quran, in Surah Al-An'am, verse 162-163, that you should say, and you should say this to Allah, that all my prayers, my living, all my prayers, sacrifices, my living and my dying, all of that is for the sake of Allah. Meaning I do all of this, in recognition of Allah and for His sake. Allah has no partner. La sharika lah. Wa bithalika umirtu. And this is the command that I have been given. This is 
what I've been ordered by Allah to say. المسلمين, I am the first of those who will submit to Allah. So now, um, there's a lot of other verses, but I'll stop at those. What I'm going to speak about is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there was a time when there was only Allah and nothing else. Does anybody remember that time? No. Well, you can't do because you weren't there. Nobody was there. Right? So that was a trick question because you couldn't. There was nobody. You can't remember that time because there was nobody there. Only Allah. He decided that Allah, Allah's decision was that I'm going to create this world. I'm going to create many worlds actually. And I'm going to create human beings in this world. I'm going to create angels in this world. And I'm going to create jinn in this world. So he chose different elements for all of this. So for example, after creating the world, the earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down an angel. So he'd actually created the angels first. The angels are created from light. Right? The angels are created from light. And he created the jinn. And the jinn are created from fire. So you're probably wondering that how does something created by fire take a shape and has some kind of solid, solidness to it or something? Or somebody, something created by light. How do they become? Well, we've not seen what a jinn looks like or what an angel looks like. So we, we have no reference point. We don't really know uh, what an angel looks like and how that became like that from light. But after Allah created those two, He decided to create the human being. And if He created the angels from light and He created the jinn from fire where did he create the humans from he created them from from clay from soil so what he actually did was he sent an angel to the earth to pick soil to create adam was the first person so to create his form adam was about 60 cubits about nearly 30 meters tall that's what it mentions in the hadith he was nearly 30 meters or so tall 60 cubits they say so he, didn't, he was never a baby. He was never an infant. He wasn't born from a mother or father. That was the first human being that Allah created in his original form. And then he blew life into him. And he became alive as an adult. Right? That's Adam a.s. Very special creation. And from him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created his wife, Hawa a.s. Those two, they didn't come from any mother or father. Right? Then after that from them, all other humans, they, they were born from Adam and Hawa Now, if you and I and everybody here are created from soil, from clay, where is the soil and clay? I mean, do we look like soil and clay? Right. Well, actually we do in a certain, in a certain sense. Uh, when the angel came down, he tried to take some clay. And the earth protested. He said, you can't take any of me. So the angel went back to Allah and said that the earth is seeking refuge in you from, taking, from me taking anything. So I've come back empty handed. So he sent another angel. It was the same thing. Then he sent another angel. When that angel came down, his name was Azrael or Israel, this third angel. And when the earth said the same thing to this, this angel, that you can't take any of me, I'm seeking He said, Allah commanded me to take you, so I'm going to take anyway. So he took clay. They say that he took clay from different parts of the world. That's why human beings are different colors and shades and uh, languages and everything else. Because we're made from different types of clay. So, so that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used to make Adam alayhi salam from. And that angel was then, Allah said, okay, you're a very bold angel. That you took the earth, even though the earth did not want to take, want you to take it, you're going to become the person who takes the soul out of all these human beings when they die. He became the angel of death. He was then appointed as the angel of death later. So he's the one who comes. So Allah didn't just create this world. He created this world for us to live in, to be born in, to live in, and then to die in. Now the purpose Allah created us is to recognize him. So that we get to know Allah. And he left so many signs. He made it challenging. We can't see Allah. But he told us you better believe in Allah. Because 
there's nobody else who can allow the world to be the way it is if Allah was not existent. If Allah did not exist, nothing in this world would have ever existed in this way. There's some people who believe that there is no God and this beautiful, sophisticated, compl complicated, elaborate, very complex world that we live in was just created like that. There was nothing, everybody agrees there was nothing and then there was this big bang and then suddenly everything was created. Do, do things just come up in your life? Right? Suddenly you're sitting in your room or outside and suddenly this car just gets created in front of you, just suddenly appears. Has that ever happened to anybody? It doesn't happen like that, does it? You have to manufacture things. Humans are born, animals are born, uh, chicken and other such animals, they come out of eggs. There's a process for everything. There's a process for everything. Things don't happen just like that. So, there may have been a Big Bang. You may read about this in school. There may have been a Big Bang. So they say, uh, things happened because of this Big Bang and then this, uh, all of these forces came out and uh, this world was created. Fine, no problem. Even if it was, but who allowed those forces to have that Big Bang and become what they did? For example, right? Have you ever seen, uh, you know, you sometimes play with these letters? These individual letters, there's an F and a U and a V and an A and a B and a C and then you, you mess around with them and you make words with them, you know, like toys, right? Have you seen those toy letters you get sometimes, right? You get, like in, like in Scrabble as well, right? Imagine you got Scrabble, have you seen Scrabble, right? Um, it's better than Fortnite, Scrabble is better than Fortnite, so, yeah. So, toy letters, imagine you had a big bucket full of them, a thousand letters, random letters in there, and you spill the bucket, and mashallah, the letters, they spread out in a story automatically. Would that happen? If you had a bucket of random letters, right? You had a bucket of random letters, like 20, 30 A's and uh, 40 B's and you know, all right. And then you threw it out and it came, it came out as a story. Would it come out as a story or would it come out like just random? Right? It's like you've got, if you've seen jigsaws, right? And you've got the individual pieces. When you throw it out, they don't come out made, does it? When you throw the whole pieces out, it doesn't come out made. You have to make it. You have to put it together. What is the chance that you keep throwing it out? You keep throwing it out and your name is going to appear. If you've got a thousand letters in a bucket, random letters, and you're going to throw them out. How many times do you think you'd have to throw it out to eventually have your name Ahmed spelt out automatically. Try it, see, see if it work, ever works out, you'll try it probably till the rest of your life. So then, how does something so amazing like this come into being, just randomly, if there's nobody to design it? Yes, if you go into that bucket and you pick an A, and an H, and an M, and an A, and a D, and then you throw them out, and you've only got those Ahmed five letters, you throw them out a few times, you might get it right sometimes. And if you put them out, then you'll get it right. Otherwise, how do, you, do these things happen randomly? It's just a very, very silly idea. And there's some really, really people who consider themselves very intelligent, who believe in this. Like it just doesn't make any sense. It's like they hate God for whatever reason. So they're not willing to go beyond that. They're not willing to accept that. The other thing is that if all of this world just came and we just came here and there's going to be nothing beyond this, then what's the purpose of this world? Is it just to enjoy yourself in this world and then we're going to die and then it's all going to be finished? Is that really worth it? Is that really worth it? For example, this watch, if it stops working, am I going to keep wearing it? I'd be probably silly if I did. I mean, unless I wanted to show off and it was a Rolex and it stops working, but I want to show everybody. So, I mean, unless you're silly, right? I mean, I'd get rid of it and I'll get it. If this phone stops working, would I keep carrying it everywhere? And if I did, wouldn't it be silly, right? So everything has a purpose, doesn't it? Now, when I see a phone, don't, I, don't you try to ask, what phone is this? Why do you ask what phone this is? To find out who made it, right? If it's Samsung... 
if it's iPhone, right? Whenever you see uh, somebody wearing some shoes, like, what brand are they? Are they Nike or Adidas or something like that? Because everything comes from something in this world, doesn't it? Everything comes from something. However, they believe that the whole world just came out of nothing. No designer, no maker, no manufacturer. Does that make any sense? Well, that doesn't make any sense to me anyway, right? Uh, one day, one of our great uh, scholars, Imam Abu Hanifa, Allah have mercy on him. He was sitting there and there were some atheists who had confusion about this, who denied God, they couldn't see the proof of God. They came to him. I think he knew about them. So they came and they said, Imam, we need to ask you a question. Now he figured out because he probably knew that these people used to go around asking this question. So he said, we need to ask you a question. And the question they were probably going to ask him was about whether how you can prove God exists or not. So he played a trick on them. He said, you know what? I don't have time right now. I've got this big issue I'm dealing with. And I need to find the answer for that before I can answer your question. I've got a really big issue somebody has asked me about. They've just informed me about this issue. I need to resolve that issue before I can answer your question. So they got a bit curious like, Imam, what's that? What is such a big issue that you're trying to find a solution for? So he said, they told me that on the lake, there's this ship, like a big vessel that travels by itself. It goes to one bank, it picks up all the freight, uh, all the luggage, all the boxes from there. And it travels by itself and goes to the other side and it unloads down there. Does that make any sense to you? Today it actually could make sense because we do have remote controlled and smart ships. You could have that today, right? But in those days that was impossible. So, so these guys, they looked at him and they said, are you crazy? Why would you even worry about this? Why would you even be thinking about this? That's impossible. They're probably lying. Like imagine somebody asked you that question. So he is telling them that I'm really, really concerned about this question. I'm trying to find a solution of why, an explanation of why this happens. So they told him that that's crazy. That can't happen. You can't have a ship that travels automatically from one side to the other without somebody steering it and guiding it, okay? So as soon as they said that, he said, I have, a, I have an answer for your question now. You've got an answer to your question. They were asking about this whole world that there's no creator for it. There's no driver for it. There's no one who made it. That's what they believed in. But now they've just denied that you can have even a small ship which works without a driver. So they couldn't believe that a small, ship's work, a small ship works without a driver, but they can believe that the whole world works without a driver. So I think that's when they realized that they don't know what they're talking about. And Alhamdulillah, they became proper Muslims. So nobody would believe that a phone could just appear or a person would just appear. But they believe this whole world just comes in from nothing and there's no purpose and there's no... So those people who believe that usually, they actually don't believe in a paradise or hell. They don't believe in an afterlife. So what they say is that once you die, you're finished. You're decomposed, you become soil again or whatever it is, right? Or you get cremated into ashes. Cremated means they burn people, right? And then that's it, it's finished. We don't believe that. We believe that this is just the first life that Allah has sent us here for. And Allah has told us to do good in this world, to behave in this world, uh, to do nice things and to be obedient and to worship Allah and to pray and so on and be nice to one another and to help people. So then Allah said, okay, if you're going to do all of these things, I'm going to reward you. And if you do bad things, I'm going to punish you. Okay, so I'm going to reward you and punish you, right? And he gave us free will to choose. Did any of you feel forced to come to the masjid today? I mean, maybe your father forced you to come here, your mom forced you to come here, but you still walked here. Uh, you still walked here, right? You weren't forced in the sense that you were sitting there and suddenly you just stood up and you got into the car 
and you made it to the masjid and you don't know why. Anybody like that? Somebody came here like a robot, they didn't know, and they just found themselves in the masjid? Anybody like that? No. Right. I mean, you might have been encouraged by your father to come or mother, but you, weren't, you didn't come here like a robot, right? That you just suddenly found yourself here. That proves that we have free will in this world to choose. We have free will to choose, good or bad. If somebody in your school does some, say something bad to you, don't you have a choice of whether you want to swear back at them, say something bad at them, or beat them up, or just do sabr and be patient, or go and tell the teacher? Don't you have multiple choices? If somebody says something bad to you at school, what, what are your choices? You can either say something back and start an argument. You can beat them up. I'm not saying you should do that. People do that, some people. Right? And they just cause a bigger issue and then you get in trouble as well. So what's the point? You'll go and tell the teacher. Or you might say something nice to the person and get them on your side and sort them out. And you might make dua for them. So aren't there multiple things that you can do? Actually, the next time that there's somebody in your class that bothers you, then rather than argue with them and make a big issue, you know what you should do? You should make dua to Allah. Oh Allah, can, uh, I'm asking you to resolve this issue between us. Because if that du'a gets accepted, then you'll have a nice time for the next two, three years with that guy in your class. Otherwise, he's going to constantly bother you. So what's the point of that? So make du'a for those people who bother you so that they stop doing that. And try to change the way you do things to try to get them to stop behaving that way. So you have choice. So if we do steal somebody's item or spill something on somebody or push somebody or whatever, we're doing it with our free will, right? We're doing it by choice, aren't we? And if we decide to help somebody out, aren't we doing that with our free will as well? Aren't we doing that by choice as well? So if whatever you do good with your choice, you get rewarded for it. Whatever bad you do, you're supposed to. It's bad. You could get punished for it. Now what Allah said is that, you know, I want to reward you guys for all the good work that you do. When you make prayer, you're nice to your parents, you're good to others. I want to reward you. Like, I want to give you a huge reward. A huge reward. And you know what? This world is not big enough for the reward He wants to give you. He gives you rewards in this world, small rewards in this world. But He created a special world for reward only. You know what that's called? Jannah. That's called paradise. It's much bigger than this earth. So you know, he said this world is so limited and so small, it doesn't have the ability to have in there what I want to give you as a reward. So he created a whole nother world that's much bigger, much, 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 much bigger than this world. And he also created another place for the people to do bad. He wants to punish them really badly. And this world has not got enough punishment in here for the punishment he wants to give. So he created a special world for that which is called Jahannam. May Allah protect us from that. Right? That's a big place as well. Now they say in the hadith it says that, you know from Adam Salam's time to the last man, there's going to be billions of people. I mean right now, how many? There's like 8 billion people or something. Right now, there's 8 billion people in the world. And in history, there must have been, I don't know how many billions of people in the world, right? And in the future, there's going to be, until Day of Judgment, there's going to be how many? Billions of people. So I don't know what the total amount is, right? I don't know what the total amount is. It's going to be many, 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 many billions. Out of all of those, whoever was a believer, but did wrong. So imagine, so there's believers and there's disbelievers. There's people who believe in God properly and there's people who don't believe in God. There's, that's the big distinction. Atheists are those who don't believe in God. So you know I said that there's people who don't believe in God and who think that all of this happened just like that and when we finish we're just going to go out. What are those people called? They're usually called atheists. Right? I'll explain that a bit more later, but I'll, that's what they call them. So among the believers, those who believe in God and a proper way, some, uh, not all of them uh, are 100% good. Some of them do sins. Right? So they're believers, but they do some sins. So Allah said that He's going to punish for the sins. But do you know what? 
out of the billions of believers, the absolute last person who's finally going to come out of hellfire after being punished, and his punishment is finished, and his time in hellfire is finished, because there's a Muslim department in hellfire. Right? There's a Muslim department which is lighter than the others. So where the disbelievers go, it's actually worse than the believing section, the believer section of hellfire. Right? But eventually when he comes out, do you know how much Allah is going to give the last person out of hell? Do you know what kind of reward he's going to give him? Ten times the size of this entire world. Not ten times the size of your house, or Ilford, or this masjid, or England, but the size of this world ten times over. That's the last guy. So imagine the people before him, the billions who are not such big sinners. And Allah has lots of space up there. He's got lots of real estate. So he's going to give you that. In one hadith it says that for those who are mujahideen in the, in the path of Allah, Allah has created for them a special, a special paradise that's made of a hundred levels, hundred floors. All right? A hundred floors. Now, a building of a hundred floors is already, is already a skyscraper. But a floor is probably this high. But there in paradise, the hundred floors they're talking about is between every two levels is like between the earth and the sky as we see it now. And there's a hundred of those. So you know when you go out and look about the sky, I mean, you can't, re you, know, you can't reach up to that top. That's hundred times that much. And that's just for one category of people. There's going to be lots of space there because this world is too small. Now you understand why this world is too small, right? But still, if you do good, Allah will give you reward in this world as well. But your real reward is up there. That's your real reward. So, that's how Allah created all of this. Now, there's another group of people. So, there's one group of people who actually completely deny God. They completely deny God. They say, there is no God. They have no proof for that. But they challenge the believers that, what's your proof? Right? What's your proof? So, the proof that we just, one of the, there's many proofs for the existence of God. One we just spoke about that if you have, for example, a bucket of letters and you try to throw that out and make a, a decent sentence out of that or your name out of that, you know, the probability is like impossible, right? So how is it possible that just some gases got together and then they made this world the way it is and mashallah is still running the way it is. And then also we come into this world and then we're going to have nothing to end up and nothing to show afterwards. What's the point of all of that? That's just a really silly idea. Also, another thing they say is that, let's just say that I've got a person who's an atheist and I'm speaking to him. And he says to me, okay, prove that there's a paradise. Well, I can't prove it because I've not been there and taken pictures and I can't show it to you. Because nobody's been there and back except the Prophet Okay, he didn't have a camera with him. Right? Otherwise, I mean, I don't know, maybe you'd have taken pictures, but he didn't have a camera with him, right? So, I can't prove it, and I'm going to ask him, how can you prove that paradise does not exist? He can't prove it either. So none of us can prove it, right? But because there's so much being told to us in the Quran and other places that there is a paradise, then wouldn't it be at least wise to prepare for it just in case there is one? Or should you say it's not going to happen? Then what about if it, there is a paradise and what's going to happen then? If you've not prepared for it, then you're going to go to hellfire. Because if you don't prepare for paradise, you go to hellfire. So isn't it wise to prepare for it? Do you see what I'm saying? Like if you don't know, but everybody, so there's lots of people who are saying there is a paradise and there's a hellfire. And the other guy is saying there is nothing. But isn't it worth even trying? Even, isn't it worth to even try to prepare just in case there is one? Right? So, doesn't make any sense. Now, that's one group who actually deny it. They're very open. Now, before, you didn't have too many of these people. But in the last 50 to 60 years, this has become um, more acceptable for people to start saying this. Why? Because in Europe, in England, there were lots of Christians before. It's primarily Christian. And in the last, just over 100 years ago and beyond, it was mostly Christian or Jewish. 
right? There were less Muslims in Europe, uh, well, at least East, uh, Western Europe. In Eastern Europe, you know, you had Muslims, the Ottomans and so on, before in history. But slowly, slowly, atheism and secularism, which I'll explain, that came and pushed the religion out. So that's why many of these churches are no longer, people don't go to the churches, they're selling them off. They either become masjids or nightclubs or flats or uh, shops or whatever it is. Before, there used to be churches everywhere. So now, there's a, it's become okay for people to say there's no God. The majority of people don't look down on them anymore. Now, in this country, there's many people who still feel they're Christian and they do believe in a God, but it's a wishy-washy. They don't really have any big idea about that. Like the Muslims usually have a good idea about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything. So there's another group. They say that there may be a God, but we can't prove it for sure. So we don't know. We have to keep searching. They're called agnostics. So they're not deny. They don't fully deny, but they say there could be. But he may not be there either. We don't know for sure. We have to keep searching. That's a very lazy attitude for them to look at. But they're not willing to even look at the proof. It's just easier for them to say there's no God. Because once you start believing in a religion, then you have to pray and do a lot of stuff. So that's what makes it difficult for people to believe. Some people don't want to believe because they just don't want to have to pray, have to be careful about things, be nice uh, in, in, in general about many, many things and uh, restrict yourself from certain things. That's what people find difficult. That's another reason. Now let me tell you that there's uh, people, there's, I, I've seen some Muslim kids uh, their parents will tell us or the kids will say that they don't believe in God anymore. Now, where did they get that from? So, in many of the cases, what I've seen is that maybe they had a bad experience. Maybe they were beaten up. Maybe they were abused. Maybe they were shown no kindness. And... Somehow somebody told them or they thought that this is Islam and this is God So the kindness was actually shown by the uh, sorry the Abuse was done by either a parent or by a uh, by their teacher or by somebody else and It was made to look like that's Islam who's doing that to you Okay because the person may have been a bit religious, maybe even. So you think, God allowed this to happen. Why was I abused? God allowed this to happen. So God must be bad, or there might be no God. So look, there's a question that people ask outside. If God was alive, if God existed, there should be no evil in the world. Right now, think about this. This one you're going to have to really pay attention to. If God was alive, there's no evil in the world. If God was alive, there can't be any harm in the world. If God was alive, then small babies can't die. Like for example, when there's floods or tsunamis or earthquakes, what they say, how can children die, innocent children die, if there was a God? Okay, that's the question. The answer to that is very simple. When did God say that I'm not going to let anybody die? Like, why, why, why are you saying that if there's a God, there can't be any harm or calamities in the world? Who said that? Where did you get that law from? Who made that law up? Do you understand? Who made that up? So I'll tell you where it comes from. It's a, a Christian problem. Meaning it's a Christian question. Why? Uh, Christians believe that their God is just mercy, mercy and love and nothing else. Jesus is love, Jesus is love, Jesus. Now when there's a calamity, it's like, if Jesus is love, then how come these people are dying? Right? Can you see the, the problem with that? If Jesus is love, how can people die? Now we've been told that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is has many many qualities many characteristics Allah is the most merciful Ar-Rahmanir Rahim Allah is beneficent he is compassionate he, but he is also the mighty one he is also the one who takes revenge he is also the one who can harm something he is also the one who can destroy something 
Allah can do whatever He wishes. And remember I told you right there, you have to always remember this, is that this world is just a temporary place of 50, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. Our real world is paradise. So it doesn't really matter what happens in here as long as you're good. So now, let's look at it this way. There's an area where a tsunami took place or an earthquake and hundreds of people died there. Is that a punishment from Allah? Well, it might be. For the bad people there, it's a punishment. So there must have been some bad people there, right? Because you have some bad people, I mean, generally everywhere. So for those people, it's, it's a punishment. For other people, they died. They weren't bad. That's their shaheed, their martyrs, and they get to paradise. It's a quicker way for them to get to paradise. And why wouldn't you enjoy paradise when it's 10 times the size of this world? And you don't have to worry about the, all the griefs of this world. So those people get to paradise because they are martyrs. And a martyr, the one who dies uh, in these unhealthy or sorry, unnatural causes, they're given a special reward by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That if they live, they might have not been able to get that reward. They might have not been able to get that status. So the way Allah works is very, very sophisticated. Right? It could be two people who are receiving the same calamity. For one, it's reward, and for the other one, it's a punishment. That guy's going to go to hell, this guy's going to go to paradise, depending on what they did. That's why Allah said that if you get yourself used to praying, for example, you always prayed tahajjud prayer or whatever, and then you became sick, and for uh, five days you were unconscious, right? and you couldn't pray. Allah is going to give you the reward for those prayers that you used to do every day, every day for free. Do you see what I'm saying? That's Allah's reward. He just wants to see us doing what's right and showing that we're true slaves of Him. Because that's what He created us for. Anybody who recognizes Allah, Allah loves them. Anybody who appreciates Allah, who thinks about Allah, and who just understands that it's Allah who gave us all of these things, Allah loves those people. That's because that's what He created us for. In fact, it says that there was, there's going to be a, a very sinful believer who's going to be in hellfire and he's going to be punished. So he's going through punishment. The punishment, that one punishment, there's multiple types of punishment, by the way. So he finishes that one punishment and then he says, he just remembers that Allah has promised something. So he says that, didn't Allah promise so and so? Allah says immediately, get this guy out of hellfire, put him in paradise because he knows me. That's the value of knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now let's go back to the issue of harm in this world or difficulty in this world and pain in this world. The Muslim God is not just a merciful God only. He's merciful, but if you have somebody who's just merciful, don't people walk all over you? <clears throat> if somebody is just nice all the time, don't people just walk all over you? Don't you have to like tell somebody off sometimes and show them what you're made of, right? Um, uh, the Christ Christianity has this idea that if you get slapped on one cheek, you give them the other cheek, right? Turn the other cheek. But in Islam, we have a right to take revenge. Exactly the same amount. Right? Be careful how you do that though. Okay? So, in Islam, our God is a lot more comprehensive. There are evil people in the world that have to be taken care of. There are people... That, that Allah does take care of like that and, and finishes them off or gets rid of them. That completely is fine. There's nothing wrong with Allah's mercy. Allah's mercy is for everyone and especially for those who do good. And if somebody wants to do bad, well, Allah's going to show His might to them and take revenge. So this question doesn't apply to, to Muslims because our God can punish as well. Our God can give pain as well. That because he's God, he can do what he wants. Why would you restrict God to say he can't give anybody pain? Is that really God? Like he can't do what he wants? Because you have decided that God can only do uh, merciful things. God to get rid of people who are bad for the world. Isn't that a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? For other people? For example, let's just say that you've got a part of the body. There's a massive, it's going to uh, cause the rest of your limb, sometimes you get, a, you, you get a wound or you get an infection 
and the rest of your body is going to get infected. So what they do is they actually cut that limb off. Isn't that painful? Isn't that harsh? You're cutting a finger off or a leg off, you're amputating. But if you didn't, the whole body would get infected. So what they do is they save the body by cutting just the leg off. Usually now, alhamdulillah, it's, uh, we don't do that as much because you've got some very strong uh, you know, uh, uh, antibiotics and things like this, right? Also, the other thing is that if you want to strengthen yourself, don't you have to put yourself under some pain in terms of weightlifting, for example? Isn't that painful to do weightlifting and running miles and you know, press-ups and uh, all the other stuff that you're made to do? Isn't that painful? But what is it for? Isn't it for benefit? It's for benefit. So that exists in the world. That's what exists in the world. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does all of these things in His wisdom for specific reasons. That's why there is pain in the world. That's why there is harm in the world. Sometimes what happens is that, let's just say your father started a business with somebody. And that guy is causing your father a lot of heartache because he's cheating and he's deceiving your father in his business. And your father's like, I need to get rid of this guy. So he, 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 gets, he, he splits up the business with him. Isn't that kind of harsh? Isn't the other guy going to be pained by that? Do you think so? Isn't he going to feel bad about that because you're getting him out of the business? But don't you have to do that? So that's what you call that. This has to exist in the world sometimes. There's people who have become Muslim. You know why? Just by admiring different fruits. Just by admiring different fruits. You know, atheists, they say that uh, this world was created just like that. Now, you've seen a mango, right? It has that thick skin and it has that nice flesh inside and then it has the big seed inside. You've seen a watermelon. See how big difference between the colors, the texture, the taste, the feel, the smell in just those two fruits? Have you ever admired and appreciated an orange? You probably just like slice it up and just eat it. But you know, if you admire an orange, you see the sophistication of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Orange. It's got an orange skin which is quite thick. It's white on the inside. So you peel the orange, right? Right, you peel an orange. And inside now, you've got these different segments that, are, that form the ball inside. They're different segments. It's like whitish and transparent in color. What you can do now is that's what you eat. But if you open up one of those segments and you peel off the skin of that segment, what do you see inside? You see this really sophisticated flesh inside. It's not just one big piece like a mango. It's not solid like a mango. It's actually small, small bits of fiber, fibrous juice that's included in there. Which are the fruits? The grapes are totally different. The smell is different. The taste is different. Who created all of these things in this wonderful way? All different, nothing the same. They're all different, nothing is the same. Who could have thought of a design for all these hundreds of fruits that exist? Where does that all that come from? By random? That happens randomly or there's a designer behind this? Which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, now let's answer a few other questions. Who did you come from? Well, I mean, a bit sooner, before that, I mean, you've never seen Adam. Who did you see? Where you come from your parents, right? Yeah, okay. MashaAllah, I thought, wow, subhanAllah, Adam alayhi salam's son is with us. Alhamdulillah, we are, we're actually all the sons of Adam alayhi salam. But we came from our parents, right? Where did our parents come from? Their parents. And where did they come from? And where did they come from? And where did they come from? I mean, eventually we're going to get to Adam alayhi salam, right? Hopefully. Right, eventually, we'll get to Adam alayhi I don't know how long it'll take, we'll get to Adam alayhi salam. Okay, where did Adam alayhi salam come from? Okay, so now the question is that if there's no... Somebody has to start everything going and moving, otherwise you're just going to keep going back. If, so, so, okay, some people say, 
Adam Islam was created by God, okay, by Allah. So then they say that if everybody was created by something, and Adam Islam was created by God, then who created God? Do you it's a logical question because when you ask all of these questions, then they're going to say, okay, who created God? So some people go crazy and they said, God too did. Okay, now just, I don't, you know, we don't believe this, but some people just to give an answer because they don't want to believe God is the first and only, they say God too. All right, no problem. Who created God too? They say God three. Okay, God three, God four. God four, who created him? God five. Where are we going to stop with this? It has to start, the somebody has to start it going. Let's say you've got dominoes, right? Circle of dominoes. It's a circle of dominoes. Unless you shake the table, somebody's going to have to start one moving. The first one moves the second, third, fourth, fifth, right? Now, if you say, which one was the first? That one. And it's a circle. Which one is going to be the first? Can you see it gets confusing? It's just an excuse. It's just an explanation that makes no sense. Now there's others who think they're cleverer than that maybe. They said, okay, Adam Islam, who created Adam Islam? God. Okay, who created God? God two. Alright, who created God two? God one. Alright then, who created God one then? God two. And who created God two? God one. It's a, you call that circular reasoning. It's like, where did the chicken come from? The egg. Where, yeah, and where did the egg come from? The chicken. This keeps going like that for, for forever. Somebody had started it off. They either created the egg first, or they created chicken first, and then the, si the system started. So it's silly to say, God, two, three, four, five, ad infinitum, meaning into infinity. Silly idea. That's why we have to stop at God. Wherever you stop, that's God for you. God is the first cause for everything. You know the story that I told you in the beginning, there was God and nothing else. That's where it all started. That's where it all started. Now just because we weren't there to look at it and to see it, that doesn't prove that it wasn't there. Right? Because this makes sense. So th that's some of the ideas. That's why there's, there's somebody who I think I know. He just was amazed at the different fruits that he saw and the different colors and tastes and smells and structure. And he was like, this can't be random. Now, you know when you go home and next week when you see different fruits, just imagine that. We're not talking about roti that's made by hand. We're talking about the natural fruit that comes. It's just absolutely amazing. Just, I, I, I just, when I see fruit, I'm just absolutely amazed by every fruit. You know, the crunch of the fruit, the smoothness of the fruit, the smell of the fruit, the fragrance, everything matters because that was all done by design. And you know, Allah is so powerful. Allah is so powerful. As Ayatul Kursi, Allah says, Wala That Allah doesn't get tired of looking after the heavens and the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, everything that happens, you know, when I, take, when, I, when I will take a step, Allah has allowed me to take that step. He knows. So how many creepy crawlies do you think there are in the world? Just in your garden, if you have a yard, a garden, how many creepy crawlies are there that you don't even know about them? Imagine a small centipede or a millipede with about, I don't know, 100 legs or whatever. You pick up a stone and you find one there. Did you even know it existed? There must be hundreds of them in your garden alone and imagine the whole world. Do you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of every single one of them simultaneously at one time? He's aware of all of the billions of insects, he can hear them, he can see them. And you're just thinking, how's that even possible? That's not possible. Well, yes, it's not possible for us. We can maybe see about, you know, if they're all together, we can maybe see them together. We can listen to two people at once, maybe. And we start listening to three people, it gets confusing. All right, and it's impossible. Allah, that Allah doesn't. He can just understand. This is how great Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And that's what he wants from us. To recognize him. So okay, let me stop here. So now if anybody's got any uh, misunderstandings, confusions from what I said, or any other questions about this that they've been confused about, please go ahead and ask. 
Okay, that's a good question. So it's not about mud anymore. We were originally created from mud, but we no longer resemble mud or, or dirt or soil, right? We're, it's like, let me give you an example. What is, bre what is bread and biscuits made of? Flour. Once you've made the biscuit or the, or the bread, can you turn it back into flour? Can you see the flour in it? You can't, right? It becomes totally different. That's how Allah created angels from light, jinn from fire, us from mud. But we go back, we're supposed to go back to the mud. Now what's going to happen is that the, our bodies will become decomposed. Only prophets and the martyrs are protected even in their graves. Even hundreds of years, nothing happened to their bodies, but everybody else, they usually decompose. So we uh, become obliterated inside and become part of But there's always one part that remains. What the hadith says, one part remains. On the day of judgment, Allah will give us new bodies. So everybody, everybody, regardless of what age you died at, you will come up on the day of judgment about 33 years old. That's how you'll go to paradise. Everybody will be around 30 to 33 years old in a new body, in a perfect body. Okay, so the, the, that's a very good question. If you have 140 good deeds, 140 bad deeds, I don't know where you get that number 140 from, but we'll go with it. So the rule is this. Allah says, if you do a good deed, I'll reward you because he promises. If you do a bad deed, I have a right to punish you, right? So these guys are halfway. So they say that these people are going to be waiting in a midway point between paradise and hell until Allah makes a decision for them, right? Now, if Allah wants... He might see, you know, one of the 140 good deeds you did, one of them was like so sincere, so amazing, that he might just say, you know what, that's so great, I'm just going to give him paradise instead. In another case, he might say, okay, let me send him to hellfire for a bit, maybe. But usually, these kind of people will eventually, uh, be, uh, all of them will eventually go to paradise. Okay, I'm going to come back to you. Yes. So, uh, the question is that if, the believers are those who recognize God and God loves the believers. So why are many Muslims under persecution? For example, if I rephrase what you said, so many of the aggressors who have not recognized Allah, they're enjoying their time in this world. Very simple answer, which I already told earlier. This place is just a test. It's a temporary world. Every difficulty, including just the thorn prick that any Muslim goes through, will give him a reward. So if he's being persecuted, he gets a reward, his ultimate place is paradise because this world was never supposed to be permanent. Right? That's the simple reason. That's the simple reason. In fact, one hadith says, this world is a prison for a believer and a paradise for an unbeliever because they don't have paradise afterwards. So let them enjoy in this world. That doesn't prove that God loves you. If you have lots of riches in this world or influence, that does not prove God loves you. The Prophet ﷺ went through huge amounts of pain and persecution and suffering until finally, you know, uh, the difficulties that he went through. In fact, even the last few days of his life were huge pain in terms of physical pain. Because pain is used by Allah for good people to elevate them far beyond what they could have gotten through sometimes good deeds. And the main thing for everybody is that we're, we've got a hereafter. You know, imagine an oppressed person in this world, who, uh, even a non-Muslim, anybody who has oppression, who believes in the, or let's just say somebody who believes in the hereafter. And he's got no influence, nothing, and he's just being persecuted, they're taking away his rights. If he did not believe in the hereafter, he'd have nothing to hold on to. He'd just be, he'd probably commit suicide. But be, I've seen believers, mashallah, they're under tough situations, they survive because they believe in the hereafter. That we're going to go there, that's going to be a day of justice, and then there's going to be paradise. This world is temporary at the end of the day. This world is temporary. As soon as you understand that, that we're really going to go to paradise, that's the big place, none of this matters anymore. Okay, you and then you. There's no proof for evolution, that's the problem, that's the issue. There's no proof for evolution. Look, so there's a guy called uh, David Miller, I think, or something like that. He's written a wonderful book called... It's not rocket science, I think. It's about science for, for dummies. I read that book. I absolutely loved it. He talks about DNA. He talks about food uh, science. He talks about astronomy and so on. All of that, very convincing. When it comes to the issue of uh, uh, sorry, evolution, he says, 
we, even though there's, I don't know if he actually says it that way, but he says, even though there's no proof, because how can you prove something that happened a million years ago or whatever? It's been accepted by the experts, so that's what we go on. That's a cop-out. That's an absolute cop-out. There is no proof. In fact, some of the more recent finds of bones they're discovering. Now, there's a bit more nuance to this, and if you want, on Zamzam Academy, or is it on Rayyan Institute now? The evolution stuff. I think it's on Rayyan Institute. If you go to Rayyan courses, we have four lectures on there that really go into the depths of this, and they show that in, the universe, uh, in college textbooks about evolution, they're still showing pictures that have been discredited. Right? It's just like it's an atheistic agenda or something like that, and the Christians can't even speak up on this. And it's, a, it's just one of those issues that they've just like, you know, Palestine is just accepted that Israel's fine and they can do whatever they want. It's just one of those issues, it seems. Right? So I don't want to go into that and bore everybody with that issue here. But. Um, and then the other thing is that what, what, what kind of calculation are you doing to disprove that from Adam and Hawa so many people can come into being? Why not? They were, do you know what the population of the world was two, uh, uh, a century ago? Or two centuries ago? And that was the same for many centuries. Just check it up. No more than two billion. For centuries it was between one to two billion. That's it. It's only in the last century that it's shot up. Why? Because of fertilizer and uh, a number of other uh, advances that's why the world has just gone crazy otherwise just check this up just go home and check this up what was the population of the world is over a century or so ago it was pretty stagnant and i mean mashallah i mean there's people that produce a lot of children right in a normal life and then you know anas radiallahu anhu had what 125 children or something that was special dua of the Prophet right? He used to go for Hajj, for Tawaf. 75 of his children were with him or grandchildren. Big, mashallah, force. Adam Alisan, they say that they used to have children every day. Initially, to start the generations off, uh, the start the population off, Adam Alisan and Hawaii used to have children, a set of children every day. This is what's mentioned. Now, if the, if the pair of son and daughter born today, and tomorrow, they're supposed to be brothers and sisters, right? But in them, it was that they were strangers to each other. So they could intermarry. Because you had to. They were all children of Adam salam. So that's how the system started then. Um, okay, next question. Well, are we done? You guys, everybody cool? No more questions? Alhamdulillah. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak al jalali wa ikram. اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين يا الله يا الله bless everybody here يا الله we thank you for even allowing us to be here oh Allah what a grace you've given us that you've allowed us to sit here to learn more about you oh Allah oh Allah do not allow us to be confused about you protect us from being confused about you protect us from disobeying you protect us from disregarding you protect us from denying you Oh Allah, we ask you protection from atheism and from agnosticism and from doubt. Oh Allah, you have guided us and we thank you for the guidance. Keep us guided until the last day. And oh Allah, keep all of our children and our progenies guided as well. And do not allow kufr and shirk and atheism and denial and all of these things to creep into us. Oh Allah, keep us guided. And oh Allah, keep us with afia. Grant us Jannatul Firdaus and your closeness. And oh Allah, allow us to see you in the hereafter. We can't see you in this world, but you've promised that we will be able to see you in the hereafter. We look forward to that, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, protect all of our children here from all the different challenges and the fitnas and the trials and tribulations that are out there. And also our Muslim brothers and sisters around the world. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask for you for uh, company of Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam in the hereafter and for a blessed life in this world and especially a blessed life in the hereafter. Bless all of those and protect all of those who have come here today and who've uh, organized this program and set it up and contributed and uh, assisted in whatever way possible. And oh Allah bless us and bless this masjid. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen alhamdulillahi wa The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, 
so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.